Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, this week is Pearl Harbor week. So everybody's heard of Pearl Harbor. Everybody knows the Japanese dropped bombs in 1941, December 7th, and uh, World War II began for the USA. But after that, people really don't know how much that day has affected you this very minute. Everything changed in the modern world on that day. So let me give you some background on it. Um, there was tension between Japan and the United States because Japan wanted to conquer Asia, pretty much all of it. Uh, they needed the resources, the oil, on and on. The Japanese were like the Germans in the fact they, they thought that they were the elite race. They went in and devastated China, slaughtering uh, maybe a million or more civilians there. It was horrible. And... Of course, America objected to all of that. So relations between the USA and Japan deteriorated quickly in the late 1930s, early 40s. Now, in response to that, President Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, squeezed Japan economically, just as we are squeezing Iran and Russia now by uh, placing oil embargoes. And Japan doesn't have any oil, so they need to get it from abroad. That pretty much set the tone for the war. So Japan said, hey, we're going to have to go. We're going to have to fight these people, these Americans. We're not going to take over America. Nobody ever thought they would do that. But we're going to fight them to a stalemate so they'll surrender and let us dominate all of Asia and we'll get uh, the oil and other resources we want. That was Japan's point of view. So on the morning of December 7th, not only was... Uh, Pearl Harbor, which is on the island of Oahu in Hawaii, attacked. But the Japanese attacked uh, other American-held uh, territory, Philippines, Guam, Wake Island. Also attacked the British 
in Malaya, Singapore, Hong Kong. So it was a big frontal, we're coming, we're taking over. That's what it was. In response, after uh, 2,000 American dead, 2,400 American soldiers and civilians killed in that and sailors uh, attack. And then, you know, 300 airplanes destroyed, uh, ships, 20 American naval vessels, either disabled or badly uh, damaged. So it was, a, it was a massacre is what it was. It was total out of the sky. Here they come. Boom, 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 boom. So FDR says the day will live in infamy. We all know that. Uh, and then declares war in Japan. Japan was allied with Hitler because they were both fascist countries. And they both said, we're the master race of our own sphere and we're going to do what we want. Okay, that was basically it. So they, they signed uh, an alliance. So as soon as America declared war on Japan, Hitler declared war on America. And there's World War II. Now, as far as the uh, Pearl Harbor attack goes, I wrote a book called Killing the Rising Sun, which was a whole overview of the Pacific conflict in World War II. And I got into Pearl Harbor, but not in a micro way. And that's what I want to do this evening. So our first guest uh, is Dr. John Maurer, and he uh, works at the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. He is uh, a distinguished professor of sea power and grand strategy, graduate of Yale and uh, Fletcher School of Diplomacy at Tufts University in Boston, which is very prestigious. But why I wanted uh, Dr. Maurer here is that he has a little different point of view of Pearl Harbor. So he joins us now from Newport. What would that difference be against the conventional wisdom, doctor? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Well, uh, I very much subscribe to your views in this regard that Japan was an aggressor state. It was aiming for leadership hegemony, control of Asia, wanted to supplant the United States and Great Britain in the Western Pacific. And what is important to remember is that what happened in Asia wouldn't stay in Asia, that Japan, as you highlighted, was allied to Nazi Germany. So Japan's actions against uh, Britain or against the Soviet Union would have a big impact on the war in Europe and could tilt the war in Europe in favor of Hitler. So Franklin D. Roosevelt was a global strategist, and he recognized that there had to be put some break on Japan to prevent them from 
enabling Hitler to do better in Europe. Okay, but he was also reluctant to really get ahead of the ongoing problem, which most people saw. For example, the Peruvian ambassador to Japan tipped off the Roosevelt administration about a year before the Pearl Harbor attack, a little less, that the Japanese were coming militarily going to hit you. Yet Roosevelt was unprepared at our biggest uh, Western air base, Hawaii. And some people criticized Roosevelt for that. Yes, the eyes of the United States were on the Western Pacific, and in particular, looking, as you said, uh, an attack on the British Empire. Japanese transport ships were already at sea, carrying a Japanese army across the South China Sea toward Malaya and Singapore. So our eyes were focused on the Philippines, the Western Pacific, and Malaya. Now, it always had been played out as a scenario that the Japanese might begin the war by an attack on Pearl Harbor. That had been gained. Exercises had been played about that. But at the time, uh, it was not thought likely. Instead, American war planners were thinking, how do we sortie our fleet from Pearl Harbor to the Western Pacific to try to relieve the Philippines, given that Japan is striking there? So our focus was more toward how do we undertake an offensive against Japan in response to their offensives in the Western Pacific. All right. So why didn't the U.S. intel uh, take more seriously a military attack on Pearl Harbor? Well, uh, they looked at it and said the distances were so great and it would require the Japanese carrier force to refuel at sea. And this is something that uh, is today very common. But in 1941, few navies had mastered the uh, skill of refueling ships at sea. And so the distance involved seemed to indicate that it would be too difficult of a proposition for Japan to launch a carrier strike on Pearl Harbor. And U.S. intel was wrong. That was, uh, you know, we never got, in my opinion, and, you know, I've written uh, three books about World War II, never got really first-rate intelligence about our adversaries until much later on in the conflict. In the beginning, the USA, we weren't really on top of it. Was that because of the, uh, they didn't have uh, CIA at the time? Uh, they, they, we just weren't looking outward at all to those threats? Well, uh, the problem with all intelligence is that there are some things you can be fairly certain about. Again, we were certain that Japan was going to war. We knew that from breaking the Japanese diplomatic cipher, that we knew Japan was going to war. We also knew that the Japanese were going to attack Hong Kong, the Philippines, and Malaya. On that, we were very clear. But uh, in war, uh, there's a fog. There's a lot you don't know. There's uncertainty. And indeed, leaders have to hedge against uncertainty. Uh, and it was thought that uh, that was the focus would be of American actions, which is to try to roll back Japan and the Western Pacific. So we got some things right. But as you say, we certainly miscalculated Japanese aggressiveness and capabilities, their ability to strike Pearl Harbor. Do you think that the critics of FDR, that he wasn't aggressive enough, not only in Japan, but in the Holocaust situation and other things like that, is valid? 
Uh, Roosevelt was a global strategist. He looked at how Europe and Asia fit together. He saw how these two theaters work together. And as you said, Germany and Japan are both these aggressive powers. They're allied to each other. Uh, Roosevelt at this time, by the way, was fearful not just of Japanese aggression, but the Germans were doing very well on the Eastern Front. Uh, in December of 1941, they came very close to taking Moscow. So he's concerned about the Russian front as well as what's going on in Asia. And there's another big fear that Roosevelt has, a fear that Nazi Germany might get nuclear weapons. And so it's in the fall of 1941 that Roosevelt and Churchill agree that there has to be a joint combined effort of Britain and the United States to make a crash program to see the feasibility of developing nuclear weapons. So Churchill and Roosevelt have a great deal on their plate, a number of worries that they have to face. Okay, I understand that. Um, but I think there may be some valid criticism in the sense that Roosevelt was not a war guy. He wasn't General Patton, okay? He didn't really want to involve America into foreign wars because 50% of the American people didn't want it. I mean, the polling at the time shows that before the Pearl Harbor attack, probably a majority of Americans want anything to do with Japan or Germany, correct? Uh, the polling is very interesting at this time. The American people recognize that Japan and Germany are a danger, but they would avoid, want to avoid war if they can. Uh, hence, the whole idea that the U.S. is the arsenal of democracy, supplying arms, weapons, supplies to Britain and the Soviet Union and China, nationalist China, under Chiang Kai-shek, that they would bear the burden of fighting these wars. Uh, as it turned out, of course, that you needed to be able to project American military power across the Atlantic, across the Pacific, to defeat these two very powerful, aggressive states. Yes. Roosevelt understood the danger from these two countries. He did understand it. Was he reluctant, though, for political reasons to be more aggressive? I, I wouldn't say reluctant. In fact, I think he tried to push the envelope, given the state of American public opinion at this time. Uh, Americans were a firm consensus that the Western Hemisphere had to be defended. And so the buildup of American naval power before 1941 and also military power, air power, uh, there was a great deal of agreement that the United States had to build up its military power to defend the Western Hemisphere. Where the big debate occurred was how much the United States should intervene in Europe and Asia. How much should the United States, the new world, come to rescue the states of the old world, both in Europe and in Asia? And Roosevelt went about as far as I think he could go, given the state of public opinion, in supporting those states fighting against the uh, Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. Now, is there any doubt that both countries, Japan and Germany at that point, had no morals at all, that they were going to do whatever they wanted to do to take over uh, as much of the world as possible? And if millions and millions of people died, that was too bad. Is there any doubt that they had any morality at all, those two enemies? No, these are two uh, regimes uh, captured by extremists who, as you said, are willing to walk over a number of corpses to achieve their ends. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Japanese atrocities in China, the so-called Rape of Nanjing, the capital of 
nationalist China was meant to terrorize the Chinese people. And this history is not history to the people of China today. The communist regime in Beijing likes to highlight these Japanese atrocities to spur Chinese nationalism behind the communist regime. So uh, these memories of the Second World War have not gone away. They are indeed momentous events, as you said in your introduction. Right. Well, doctor, we really appreciate it. I think everybody's got to know as much as they can. And I said in the beginning that this influences everybody today, right this minute, because the whole world changed uh, on December 7th, 1941. And uh, we entered uh, hostility on the globe never before seen, catastrophic loss of life. And uh, that hostility still remains with different players. So the more you understand about history, the less chance you have of repeating it. Isn't that what they say? I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, Doc. Thanks for helping us. We really appreciate it. Happy holidays. I hope you enjoy the season. Thank you. Happy holidays to you, too. Okay, so there are many points of view about American history. Revisionist history, conservative history. It's all over the place, which is why I got involved in the killing books. You know, we have 12 of them out now. Um, the latest... Uh, Killing the Legends, A Lethal Dangerous Celebrity, which is a cultural history. But I began with Killing Re Lincoln, and then I wrote Killing Kennedy, Killing Jesus, Killing Reagan, up and up and up and up. And I wrote three war books on uh, World War II. As I mentioned, Killing the Rising Sun, Killing Patton, European Theater, and Killing the SS after the war and what happened there. Uh, but I respect and like different points of view when I know they're not hell because of politics. That I hate. So I don't bring ideologues on this program to discuss history. All right. So one of the smartest guys around is Craig Shirley. He wrote a book called December 1941, 31 Days to Changed America and Saved the World. Big, big bestseller. And you should pick it up if you're interested uh, in history, modern history. But also a, a reoccurring theme is that Mr. Shirley understands what happened on December 7th, 1941, influences us to this day. All right, the way we live to this day um, started on Pearl Harbor Day. So Mr. Shirley, Craig Shirley joins us now from Virginia. Um, FDR, did he do everything he could or should have to prevent war with Japan? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That's a great question to start with, Bill. Uh, you have to put yourself back in, uh, you know, December 6, 1941. 
the FBI administration had done almost everything it could to avoid war with Japan. We had offered them cash. We'd offer to lift uh, the, the oil and, and steel embargoes we had imposed after Japan invaded uh, China uh, and, and, of course, result resulted in the rape of Nanking. Uh, we, did, we had diplomatic chains open. We, we were meeting with Japanese diplomats almost daily uh, in Washington. We were doing everything. We, but everybody knew that war was coming or everybody believed that war was coming. But we, nobody knew where it was going to take place. Was it going to be Singapore or the Philippines? Uh, was it going to be Hong Kong? There, there were lots of speculation, but there were a few facts. Uh, my research, my, who's actually my son, Andrew, went to the FDR library. He uncovered a memo that was dated April 4th, uh, 1941. Du dusted off, had been classified ever since... Uh, World War II and been laying around the FDR uh, uh, museum and library for many, many years until it was declassified in the 70s. And then it lay unnoticed until my son found it. And it was a memo, 17-page memo, outlining Japanese and from the Naval Office of Naval Intelligence, stamped top secret for FDR's eyes only, uh, that outlined uh, in 17 pages possible Japanese intentions in the Western Pacific, uh, including the Panama Canal Zone. And in it, this memo mentioned uh, a possible Japanese attack on Hawaii, mentioned it 17 times in that, some of that 17 times in that, in that uh, memo. Uh, no action was taken except a war warning was sent out to all of our commanders in the field in the Western Pacific. Uh, but it was it was very vague. It's, it, it, it was almost uh, uh, it said be be prepared for war, but don't expect war. Something like that. You know, yeah, no yeah. But what I'm trying to get behind is the Peruvian ambassador to Japan sent a uh, cable to uh, FDR to the White House, warning them months before, uh, yes. almost a year before, that the Japanese were going to attack Pearl Harbor. They were yes. going to come. All right. And, no, and some of the other intel indicated the same thing. So why then were we totally unprepared for that attack? Because, uh, Bill, it was what, it was a failure of imagination. We didn't simply believe the Japanese could move in silence six of the top line aircraft carriers through 4,000 miles of open sea, lay off of Hawaii, then launch 300 planes to attack our vulnerable fleet in uh, Hawaii and sink uh, the Arizona and sink the, the uh, Oklahoma and damage the Nevada and so many other ships and, and, uh, and 300 ships, 300 things on the ground were obliterated. Uh, we just didn't believe they could go. Nobody in America, we believed war was coming, but we didn't imagine that they were going to attack an American outpost uh, at Hawaii. We, we, even, we even though, even though everybody knew that this war that Japan was itching for it, that Hitler was allied with Japan and they were right. expanding the World War II in Europe had been on for two years. Um, right. and, and the devastation was unbelievable. You would think yes. that your main fortification, US territory, would have been put on high alert and then reinforced 
with protection. You would think, I mean, failure of imagination, I understand. But it was almost like the Roosevelt administration didn't want to think. This well, don't forget, don't forget, too, is that there were lots of domestic political pressures. There was the America First Committee, which was a huge political operation in America in 1941. It was founded uh, after uh, after Germany invaded Poland in 1939. Uh, prominent Americans of the left and the right, from Charles Lindbergh to Herbert Hoover to uh, everybody in between. Uh, Lowell Thomas, everybody of the left and the right were members of the America First Committee. And FDR had just, you know, just won re-election by promising uh, mothers of America that their boys would not die in another European war. We had a terrible taste in our mouth after World War One. Sure. And and we did we had no interest in getting involved in another European conflict. You know, there was a saying going around after World War One was that all we got was death and debt and George M. Cohen. Uh, and, and that was on the lips of many Americans for many years. We had m- many bills passing in the 20s that, that strictly prohibited uh, Japanese from emigrating to the United States. And, of course, we had the, the three or four neutrality acts passed in the 30s, passed by Democrats, signed by a Democratic president, that included uh, prohibiting uh, U.S. soldiers from leaving North America. And, and bans on importation from from uh, certain foreign governments. So it was we were very much an internet uh, isolationist country. So much so that the American First Committee vowed that in the '42 election, that if any Republican or Democrat made any move toward internationalism by their by their eyes, they would run a primary candidate against them in their in their congressional or senate. Sure, race. and then the primary candidate would win. So politics yes. did did enter into Americans' defense. Absolutely, no doubt about Absolutely. it. Right? Right. Yeah, um, domestic political pressure was great. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now, FDR himself, uh, my reading of him, is that he was the consummate politician. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe JFK and Barack Obama just on the way their skill level of how to present and how they saw what was good for them and their party. Um, Those are the top three uh, in this century. But I don't know whether Roosevelt was wishing that this didn't happen. Because if it were me or you or anyone who's just looking at objective information, you got to know these guys are coming already invaded China, all right? You got to yes. know that we're their biggest enemy because we cut off their oil. So you do everything, 
across the board to defend yourself. You don't attack, but you you got a wall. We yes. didn't have one. We did not have one. No, we did not have a wall. I don't. You know the. the I don't know if FDR. You know he never in, in any diaries or conversations or anything said anything of the or any of his cabinet said anything of the of to the extent that he wanted to get into the war. You know that would have meant, meant the death of, of of thousands of American boys. I, I think like all of us, he wanted to avoid war. But it was. I think it was. If we'd been there, if you'd been there, if I'd been there, it was simply forced upon us. And, and, and we had also, we had, you know, all these pressures. Don't forget Winston Churchill was pressuring FDR greatly uh, to, you know, for armaments and, and supplies. That's why we instituted Lend-Lease, uh, which was giving them used uh, battleships and, and, and used guns and uniforms and munitions and things like that to help the uh, British as they were fighting off the Nazi onslaught. So you had you had Ch Churchill on one side pressuring F uh, FDR greatly to get involved in the European war, and then you had the domestic pressures on him to not get involved in the European war, and then all, you know we were isolationist country, and then the mess going. I mean, it, it would drive any man crazy. Yeah, I, think I mean, it's, F yeah. I think FDR must go down in history as one of our four greatest presidents because of his and Churchill's leadership during World War II, not because of the. Uh, New Deal. That was a failure. That was an economic and social failure. But because of his leadership uh, in World War II, he was basically he was. I discovered Bill that he was essentially president of the world in those uh, four or five years. He he was supplying the United States fighting man, the British fighting man, the Australian fighting man, the Russian fighting man, and we were doing it all with uh, with the arsenal of democracy. What we were churning out in America to, to arm and feed all these all these millions of uh, men. Yeah, and people don't understand that now. They don't know, um, no. you know, how much I have FDR in my top five as well. Uh, last question for you: When I say that Pearl Harbor Day influences how you live today, some people go, "What? Yes. What? Do you believe that?" Sure, absolutely. I mean, is that it forever changed us from a isolationist country to an internationalist country? Now, in those intervening years, those eighty-some years, we've been more or less internationalist, but we've never gone back to being isolationist. That's one. I think two is is that we've always had a, a military preparedness that we didn't have. You know, we almost uh, uh, you know uh, took apart the U.S. Army in, in October of 1941. We almost uh, d dissolved it. Uh, we, we, we would never consider that today with any of our uh, military, uh, is that we have stronger diplomatic uh, ties and negotiations with, with countries both hostile and otherwise to us, so we can uh, try to talk out our differences. So there's, and, there's, and there's economic concerns that didn't exist in 1941 that exist today. There are billions of dollars, as you know, that flow between Russia and the United States, between Japan and the United States, between Great Britain. So that kind of, that tends to bind us together. Yeah, the globalism uh, yeah. on the economic front. Uh, right. But I think yeah. one, of the, one of the things that changed was the American mentality that we don't need anybody else. Um, we can do it all ourselves. And, well, that, of course, that was the formation of the United Nations right, right after World War II. Right. And now we know that you can't do it all. We can't 
I mean, we've got to have an order and we can impose the order, the USA, but we've got to have backup. We've got to have yes. most of the people buying the imposition of the Coalitions. order or the, or the planet goes up in flames because of the nukes. And the nukes came yes. directly out of World War II. And oh, yes, the heavy water experiments by sure. the United States. That never yeah. would have happened without World War II, I don't think. It wouldn't happen that quickly. No, it wouldn't and, and so now, project came right out of World War II. Right. So now we're a totally different world and people are in the modern world, but I don't think they understand how they got there. Anyway, fascinating yes. conversation. The book again is December 1941, 31 Days that Changed America and Saved the World, Craig Shirley. And I hope you enjoyed the season, Mr. Shirley. It was very kind of you to talk to us today. Thank you, Bill, very much. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Okay, so uh -huh. there you have it. Uh, another, I think this is the 12th shock and awe we've done. Um, and I think they're all top flight. If you disagree, bill at BillOReilly.com. That's where we live. Bill at BillOReilly.com. If you see something you don't like or what, uh, something you'd like to chime in on, I would absolutely want to hear from you. So, uh, again, um, we have Christmas coming. Everybody is, I hope, getting in a good mood. But, you know... I think we need to think about the uh, 80 million people who lost their lives during World War II and the horrendous evil that was perpetuated on the world by Japan and Germany that led to 80 million people being killed and the tremendous good that the United States of America elevated to defeat that evil. And we're not a perfect country. We're divided now, but that's our legacy. We saved the world from Hitler and Tojo. Okay. <laughs> Believe me. So once again, uh, you want to know more about this killing the rising sun, my book, killing Patton about the European theater and killing the SS. All right. They're all about world war two and post world war two. Thank you for watching shock and awe. I'm Bill O'Reilly. We'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.